Chapter 3. Duck and Cover The American people found themselves in a world where the threat of nuclear annihilation hung over their heads like the sword of Damocles. As the 1950s dawned, a new era of fear and uncertainty swept through the nation, and the people looked to their leaders for guidance. It was in these times of trepidation that the United States government created an educational film, a short yet powerful flicker of moving images that aimed to teach the children of America how to protect themselves from the terrible force of nuclear explosions. This film, dear listener, was known as Duck and Cover. Duck and Cover, cried Bert the Turtle, the animated star of this cinematic gem. The children in the film mimicked his actions, diving under desks and covering their heads with their hands, as if such simple gestures could shield them from the devastating effects of nuclear war. It was a naive and innocent time, and many believed that these actions would keep them safe. As the years went by, the fear of nuclear war began to seep into the very fabric of American culture. Families built fallout shelters in their backyards, stocking them with canned food and water in case the dreaded day came when the sirens wailed and the missiles fell from the sky. Newspapers and magazines published countless articles about the looming threat, and the airwaves were filled with the voices of experts and politicians debating the merits of disarmament and deterrence. I know not with what weapons World War III might be fought, but World War IV will be fought with sticks and stones, mused the brilliant physicist Albert Einstein, capturing the essence of the growing unease. By the 1960s, the fear of nuclear war had become an integral part of the American psyche. The Cuban Missile Crisis brought the world to the brink of disaster, and the people held their breath, praying that the conflict would be resolved before it escalated into a full-blown war. It was during this time that the famous singer-songwriter Bob Dylan captured the mood of the nation with his haunting words, How many times must the cannonballs fly before they're forever banned? The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. As the Cold War continued throughout the 1970s and 1980s, the American people grew weary of living under the constant threat of nuclear annihilation. Protests against the arms race and the proliferation of nuclear weapons became more and more common, with ordinary citizens calling for an end to the madness. The 1983 television movie The Day After brought the horrific reality of nuclear war to the homes of millions of Americans, driving home the message that such a conflict would have no winners, only survivors. Radiation As the power of atomic weapons seeped into the collective consciousness, citizens began to ponder the invisible enemy that could wreak havoc upon their lives and the world as they knew it. This enemy was radiation, an unseen, odorless, and tasteless force that could cause devastating illnesses, mutations, and even death. The fear of this invisible menace spread like wildfire, and the people sought answers and reassurance from their leaders. The government, recognizing the importance of addressing the concerns of its citizens, launched a series of public information campaigns to educate the masses about the risks of radiation and how to protect themselves from its harmful effects. Pamphlets and posters depicting the dangers of radiation were distributed far and wide, while radio and television programs echoed the message that vigilance and preparedness were key to safeguarding the populace. Meanwhile, 
The scientific community delved into the mysteries of radiation, striving to learn more about its effects on human health and the environment. As their understanding grew, so too did their awareness of the need for caution and the importance of protecting the public from the dangers of radiation exposure. The state responded to these concerns by introducing legislation and regulations aimed at minimizing the risk of radiation exposure. Strict guidelines were established for the handling and disposal of radioactive materials, while the construction of nuclear power plants was closely monitored to ensure the safety of nearby communities. In an effort to calm the nerves of a worried nation, the government also funded the development of advanced technology designed to detect and measure radiation levels. This investment led to the creation of devices such as the Geiger counter, which allowed individuals and organizations to monitor their environment for signs of radiation. As the years passed, the American public became more knowledgeable about the risks of radiation and the importance of taking precautions to protect themselves and their loved ones. The government continued to invest in research and education, fostering a culture of safety and preparedness that would serve the nation well as it navigated the turbulent waters of the Cold War and beyond. Behind the Iron Curtain In the land far beyond the Iron Curtain, where the hammer and sickle flew high above the Soviet Union, the people faced the very same specter that haunted their American counterparts— the chilling possibility of nuclear war and the invisible enemy of radiation. From the 1950s to the 1990s, as the Cold War raged on, the Soviet public grappled with their fears and anxieties, just as the world beyond their borders did. In the early days of this epic struggle between the two superpowers, Soviet citizens were often bombarded with propaganda that painted a rosy picture of their nation's strength and invincibility. Our cause is just, they were told, and we are destined to triumph over the capitalist West. But as the years wore on, the Soviet people began to glimpse the harsh reality of the potential consequences of nuclear war. One such voice that captured the growing concerns was that of Soviet writer Yevgeny Yevtushenko. In his poem, The Heirs of Stalin, Yevtushenko wrote, We are condemned to hope, but let it be. A bitter hope, like the taste of wormwood, let it be a difficult hope, and let no one know of our hope but ourselves, and let us only hope, only hope. These words resonated with many of his fellow citizens, who began to recognize that the threat of nuclear war was not just a distant, abstract concept, but a real and present danger. As the decades progressed, the Soviet government attempted to assuage its people's fears through various means, including public information campaigns and education programs that focused on civil defense and preparedness. Schools and workplaces conducted drills similar to the duck and cover exercises in the United States, teaching citizens how to react in the event of a nuclear attack. In addition to these efforts, the Soviet government pursued diplomatic channels, engaging in negotiations and treaties with the United States in an attempt to limit the proliferation of nuclear weapons and reduce the risk of an all-out war. One such leader who took an active role in these efforts was the last General Secretary of the Soviet Union, Mikhail Gorbachev. He famously said, 
we are living in an interdependent world, and what is happening in one part of the world sooner or later affects other parts. Throughout the cold and arduous years of the Cold War, the Soviet public faced the grim reality of nuclear war and the terrifying threat of radiation. Yet, just like their American counterparts, they demonstrated remarkable resilience and adaptability, finding solace in their communities and striving to build a future free from the specter of nuclear annihilation. <laughs> 